scriptures. Let's open up our Bibles this morning and get into the Word. Let's open them up to Luke chapter 1. Starting out in verse 5. This is a really interesting story. This is the story of when the angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias about the birth of John the Baptist. So starting out in verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So Zacharias and Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Remember that. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So it was his turn to go into the temple. And uh, when the whole multitude of the peoples were praying outside at the hour of the incense, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, him being Jesus, the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Pretty powerful thing that was just spoken over them. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I know you have something powerful for us today. God, help me to speak. Help me, just anoint me to communicate the truth of your word here Lord, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for what you have for us. Help us to receive, just to prepare our hearts right now to receive what it is that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Words. Words are powerful, aren't they? Anybody ever now and then, like, talk to yourself? I mean, I, yeah. Oh, we're awesome. Yes. I knew it. I knew it, Katie. See? She'd be, she'd catch me all the time and it'd be like, she'd be like, who are you talking to? Oh, myself. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Well, I'm having a conversation. I said to myself, self, and then, you know, we got in an argument, but anyway, no. So, uh, you know, I've, I've had these conversations with myself a lot and, and obviously a lot of you do, which is good. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're having conversations with other people that aren't there, that might be a problem, you know, but Talking to yourself is obviously is a good thing sometimes, as long as it's uh, as long as it's edifying. But 
<laughs> words and speech and language. Just think about it for a second. I mean, it's really a miracle from God, isn't it? Language, the ability to communicate with each other. Like God gave us that. We don't all walk around and just silence and read each other's minds. We have this thing God gave us called speech and language to communicate with each other. And obviously when words leave our mouth, they do something. People receive them. People, it, it, it builds a relationship or changes the essence of things. It's, it's a very, very important thing to have to have language and to be able to communicate, and God gave us that. But it's interesting because words are not only intended for communication. In fact, the very first use of words, very first use of language, where was that? It was in Genesis chapter 1. And what did God say? He said, let there be light. You see, the first use of language actually wasn't to communicate it was actually to create. That's powerful, isn't it? Now, of course, we know that language and, and words and speech help us to communicate, but it's interesting that they also help us to create or speak things into our life, and that's the per that's the will of God that it was designed that way. Now, if you look at the, the book of Proverbs, we know that it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, that death and life are both in the power of the tongue. So, so language and speech can actually be used to create, but it can also destroy. It can build up or it can break down. It can edify or it can deteriorate things. So when you hear that, you think, if you're like me, wow, that's pretty powerful. I need to get this thing right. I need to figure out what it is that God has to say about how I'm supposed to conduct my words, my speech, the things that are coming out of my mouth and off of my lips, because these things have great power in what happens in my life. If they can build up or tear down, I don't know about you, I'm in for the building upside. I want things to be built up and, and, and strengthened in my life. I want things to be created, not necessarily destroyed in my life, right? And so I think that in a lot of cases, guys, that we can underestimate the significance of our words and what they really, the, the effects that they really have on our life, on our purpose, on our destiny. I know, I, you know, it happens. You just, you go about your day, you go about the things you got going, you're busy, and then all of a sudden it's like you just kind of, you lose, you, you're not mindful of it all the time. And we underestimate how significant that whatever the words that are coming off of our mouth every single day, what they're actually doing what they're creating in the atmosphere of our lives on any given day. And so we see this situation here in, in Luke. And I just chose this story. I love this because what you have is, is you have this guy, Zacharias, and his wife, Elizabeth, who's barren. And they've been praying for a child. They've been seeking God for this thing. And what happens? An angel comes and he says, not just, hey, you're going to get pregnant, but like, this dude's going to be somebody. Right? I mean, he's going to do some things. He's going to pave the way for the Messiah. And what is the response of Zacchaeus? The words. What are the words that come off of his mouth? There are words that are filled with doubt and unbelief. And so what happens? The angel of the Lord shuts him up, throws a thing on his mouth. I don't know if he did that, but he, you know, he can't speak anymore. 
sometimes. That'd be nice to be able to do that, wouldn't it, to some people, right? You ever see that, uh, the, uh, the Disney Christmas thing where, you know, Pluto is, they're all like trying to sing Christmas carols and Pluto's like, and then the chipmunk's like slap the sticker on his mouth and says, don't open until Christmas. So anyway, I just thought of that in my picture in my head. <laughs> Word pictures are good, right? Mine just typically are Disney themes, you know, and used to be rock bands and concerts. And now that I have all these kids, it's, it's Disney stuff. Much healthier. <laughs> anyway, so the angel of the Lord has to, and this is the picture that I get. So I'm just, I'm throwing this out to you and see, like, we're going somewhere here. But it's like the angel is, is like, oh, like, that's not the response that I was looking for, bro. Like, you've been praying for this. And here I am answering, you're telling you, I'm answer, your prayers are being answered. And then instead of like rejoicing and getting excited or like, yeah, you're like, you, you all of a sudden are saying things of doubt and, and unbelief. How many times, I'm just, this makes me think, how many times have I prayed for something and maybe God shows me a sign he's going to answer my prayer and then I still have some response of doubt or unbelief? Oh, it's just, it's not going to work out. It's not going to happen. And God's like, oh. you know, and maybe he doesn't slap a thing on our mouth all the time. But in this case, I feel like that God's trying to get a really, really big point across to us. He's trying to say, look, I silenced him because I had something so big planned for this baby that I was not going to allow any more words of doubt or unbelief to be spoken over this child until he came into existence. And he shut him up. And so John the Baptist is moving along, right? And, and he's obviously not able to say anything. And, and so he's not able to speak anything negative over the situation anymore. He's been silenced. And so think about this in, in your own life. Like, what kind of things are you speaking over your own life? What, when you talk about, I don't know, your relationships or your marriage or your kids or your finances or your health. I mean, what? look, let's get down to basics. What are the things that you're saying? Like, what's coming out of your mouth about it? I know what you hope, I think, right? I know what we're hoping for, but I'm asking you something different. I'm asking you, what are you saying about it? Because in this situation, we know what Zacharias and Elizabeth were hoping for. We know what the desire that was in their heart was and what they believed that hopefully God was going to do for them. They were crying out to God for it. But what they were, he was saying about it whenever it began to come into fruition, was something that was completely disconnected to what was hopeful or what the, the desire that they had in their heart was. Important point for us to notice, that what we say, the things that come out of our mouth, can actually be totally disconnected, disjointed, and out of line with what it is that we're hoping for, praying for in our lives, or that God wants to do. So we've got to get a hold of this thing with our speech, right? We've got to make sure that we're not breaking things down that God is trying to build up. And it, it has to be something that we're very, very rigid about. There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 17 that says that, you know, he who starts a quarrel, it's like the, a dam beginning to breach. And so it's when you speak something negative, it starts almost like a picture of a dam cracking. And what happens? It starts to spray water out. But baby, once it cracks, 
it's coming down eventually. It's like it just keeps pushing its way out, right? And it, it's only a matter of time before the whole thing deteriorates. It's when we start to let doubt, words of doubt and unbelief or negativity start to slip off of our tongue just frivolously and carelessly. It's like we get on this slippery slope now downward where the dam's just gradually breaking itself open more and more and more until eventually that whole thing that maybe God is wanting to build up and do in our lives, it's like it's just been totally destroyed. And our words over time have the ability to, to build those things up or to tear them down. And it's, it's just, I hope it gets your attention like it does mine whenever I see these things. And so not only this, but what, say, and what are you speaking over your, your own life? Uh, but what are you allowing people to speak over you? And this is interesting because obviously we, you know, people, we say things and, but you hear stuff and people will say stuff like, oh yeah, that's probably, you're probably never going to, that's never going to happen for you. Or, you know, they don't mean anything or they say, oh yeah, you're not looking too good. <laughs> you, oh, hey. Ah, yeah, you know, you say that. I don't really feel so good. Yeah, that's, I got to go lay down. It, it, it's true. It's like, I mean, it happens this way. And, and this may sound crazy, right? But when people say things, this is why it's important to have the word in you. <laughs> because when people say things that conflict with what a promise or a purpose of God is for your life, you got to reject that. You got to reject that. It doesn't mean you got to like slap them. Sometimes you can, you know, but you just got to just be like, no, I'm not accepting that. I'm not accepting that. Right. Because those words are coming off of someone else's lips and they're hitting your ears. And those words have the ability to create or destroy. And so if there's words that are destructive, why would you want to let them in? <laughs> You know, and so you've got to almost be like a, a defense mechanism against words that conflict with the promises and the purposes of God when they're spoken over. And, and it can be your foes or your allies alike. I mean, friends do this, then we don't, they don't really realize it. We've maybe done it to others, which is obviously another important point for us to think about what we're speaking over other people, right? I mean, I know we we think about this, Katie and I, with our kids a lot. Like, we really do. We want to make sure, I mean, we catch ourselves saying things like, you know, some simple like, well, what is wrong with you? And it's like, that just means there's something wrong. That, that's what they're thinking. Now something is wrong with me. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, am I the only person that does? You guys are like, gosh, terrible father. Great pastor, good, bad, bad dad. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> all right. So what are you speaking over other people? But, but, but keep this keep this in mind, guys. You can't you can't constantly walk in faith and be speaking in doubt. You just it, you can't have them. You know you can't. I'm walking in faith, fulfilling the purposes of my life, God's destiny. It ain't gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. This and then and then I'm poor me. You know I'm just. It's just there's a there's a disconnect. A person who walks in a place of faith is a person who is constantly declaring the promises and the testimony and the authority that God has already given you. So as you walk things out, our speech ought to be advancing and building and furthering those very things that God has purposed in your life to happen, not getting in the way and stifling them and throwing a wrench in things. Thank God that an angel just shut Zacharias up. N enough. I don't want you speaking any more of this doubt. I mean, look at what he says. He's like, hey, 
just paraphrasing. He says, look, look at me. He says, look, I'm an old guy. You, you remember, you're coming to tell me we're going to have a kid? Look at me. I'm an old man. Hey, look at her. <laughs> she, you, this ain't going to happen. And the angel's like, wait, wait, wait a minute, what? I don't know if that's what he's thinking, but I bet, I, I'm sure he's like totally shocked at this response. Like, what are you talking about? weren't you just praying about this for however many years, you know, and here I am, and obviously I'm an angel. I mean, I think you can see that. It says he was troubled and afraid, so he knows this is a supernatural thing. But yet he somehow manages in his humanness, our humanness, to sputter something out that has the potential to stifle what it is that God is trying to speak. Angel's like, I'm trying to speak, he says, to speak something to you that's going to birth something in your life and you're coming back with words that are trying that are that can destroy it of doubt and unbelief i'm trying to do something supernatural and you're just you're 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 not responding in faith and so he shuts him up so and it's interesting because we you know you talk to people and you just you're kind of listening to things that they say and 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 sometimes you think, I mean, people can really get in a rut with this where it's just like nothing but negativity and cynicism and unbelief. And, and you think, I mean, I think to myself, like, my gosh, I mean, why don't you just lay down and die? I mean, it sounds like it's over. You're checking out, you know, there's no hope. And that's, that's what I, can, I feel sometimes. It's like complete hopelessness. It, and it's, it's in the words, you get it, that are coming out of the mouth. And it, I feel that. But just the same as I can feel hopelessness in words, I can feel faith and I can feel strength and I can feel the hope of what it is that God is purposing to do in someone's life. So the words are so important, guys. And it, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed from our mouths, except that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Just breaking it down for a second, but it says, how many corrupt words come out of your mouth? No corrupt words come out of your mouth. Tall order, I get it, we're people, never going to happen, but it makes a point. Corrupt, when you look at that, that means rotten, that means to spoil, that means to sour a situation or an environment. We've we had our garden this year, right? And we had our tomatoes and our plants, everything was going great and doing good kind of got away from us but we we have all the tomatoes that we started picking because you get a bunch of them at one time and they're they're in the house and they're ripe and it doesn't take long it's just a couple days right for it and then all of a sudden they start to get rotten and you know when things rotten they just they just sour the environment there's kind of a funny smell going on in there i mean i don't i'm just like katie we got to get rid of all this stuff you know and and, and it's and what happens when something is rotten and it's spoiling it attracts other unfavorable things now we got little flies, you know, those little things. It's like, you know, you're constantly just, anyway. But when we're speaking corrupt, shit, corrupt words, are spoiling the environment. And it just has a way of attracting more of that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's like we, we, we don't want things that are going to get in the way of the very thing that we want in our heart desperately to see God do, but our words can do that. But he says here, let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, except that which is good for necessary edification. Edification, which is the building up, the strengthening, and the fortification of something. Wow. Wow, our words, guys, really do that. They really have that much impact 
on the things that are happening in our life. You've all heard the term, the phrase, uh, if you don't have anything good to say, don't, don't say anything at all, right? I think that's good. I think you ought to work hard to have something good to say, though. You know, if you're walking around not saying anything, I mean, I guess you're you're not going to damage much, but at the same time, you, you want to have edifying words coming out of your mouth too. So you, you, you want to work to, to be intentional about this, right? The Bible talks a lot about how when we use our words that we're intentional about the way that we do it. A, a wise man is thoughtful and considers a response that he would have. I mean, he, he thinks about the words. He understands their implications. They understand the bearing and the impact that it has on the things in our life that we're, we're walking in. So edification. Re, re, the release of words actually, they actually activate or, or, you know, further, I think, our faith. Like, I'll say things, and after I say it, I'm like, yeah, that's like my faith is lifted even more than it might have been before. I mean, Jesus said in, in, in Mark, he said, if, if any of you say to this mountain, move, then, and you believe, it shall be moved. Now, he didn't, he, he said, if you say to the mountain, he said, if you speak to the mountain and then believe. So our words, when we speak things that align with the word of God, what God has spoken, then there is an element of our, of, of impact on our faith that lifts our faith to a higher level. And we need faith for supernatural things in our lives, right? I mean, Jesus spoke things and things happen. He spoke to evil. He said, you know, demon, I say, get out of this purse. He spoke to it and it reacted the way he wanted it to. He spoke to Lazarus. He spoke life to things. He said, Lazarus, get up, come out of there. Little girl, wake up. He spoke to them and things happened. Responses occurred in direct result of words that were spoken by Jesus, and it's no different for you and I. We can speak to the devil, and if we have faith when we say it, he has to obey, and we can speak life into things that are dead, and they will come to life. You know, Lazarus was in the tomb for like four days, right? He wasn't just dying. He was all the way dead and then some. Some of the things that you think are dead in your life that God has purposed for you, I'm telling you, there might be a plan for him to resurrect it and it's just waiting for you to speak life into that thing and have faith when you declare it. It might have been in the tomb for days and God's saying, doesn't matter when you speak it, I will make it so. He says he's the God who caused the things who aren't and caused them as if they were. And he, when you speak those words in faith and declare them over your life, God jumps in and does the supernatural part each and every time. Not sometimes, every time. He's faithful to always respond to that. You know, when we when we talk with our kids and, and we're, we're parenting them, a lot of times, you know, we don't want to just try to teach them a lesson in something. We want them to, I, I try to get them to speak about it. I'm like, okay, all right, now that you understand what happened, tell me, Tell me what you should do. Tell me, um, you know, why you can do that thing. Explain to me why you, why you believe that, that God did make you where you can do that. Because 
it's not some laborious exercise. I want them to, I want to hear them say it, and I want them to hear themselves say it because it, it affirms something in them. When words are spoken that align with the word of God, it affirms something. It establishes that thing in us. And we know we just looked at the scripture in Ephesians that says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, except that which is good for necessary edification, that it may what? Impart grace to the hearers. Guess who hears every word you say? You do. <laughs> Number one, you hear it all, right? You hear what you're saying. So yes, you're imparting edifying words and speech to other people in their lives, but you're hearing every single thing that comes off of your mouth. And if it has that much implication on what's happening in your life, ought we not to be pretty intentional and pretty rigid about how we approach this thing that God has given us this gift of speech, this gift of language to communicate and to create? I think so. I think so. James refers to the tongue is like a little rudder on a giant ship that can steer it in whatever direction it chooses. The course of a massive ship is completely directed by a little bitty rudder. And James likens our tongue to that thing. What's he saying? He also says that a little bitty spark can create an enormous wildfire and forest fire. One little word of faith. One little declaration of truth. That's where it starts. But as you continue to speak that thing and build your faith and strengthen your resolve, knowing that you're walking toward the thing that God is willing and purposing in your life. It's like that little tongue is like that rudder. That Those first few words are like that spark that can send you down a direction to a wildfire of God's promises and plans in your life starting to just flame up everywhere. And then your speech becomes more and more intentional and the words are more and more life-giving. You're speaking life into everything that you are called to be in. You're, you're speaking life into your relationships. You're speaking life into your kids. You're speaking life into your career. You're speaking life into everything. If you're going to live it, why would you not want to speak life into it, right? Why would you not want God's will for that thing to be the thing that you're walking in? And our words are constantly seeding the soil of those things in our lives. Everybody say amen. Now listen to this. This is interesting. If you think about your words, now I looked this up, so don't hold me to the statistics on this, but this is interesting. If you look at how many words you speak over the course of a day, a month, a year, your lifetime, this is going to blow you away, okay? In one day, it is said that the average person will speak enough words to fill a 50-page book. Okay, it's a pretty big deal, right? In a year, an average person will speak enough to fill 91 books at 200 pages apiece. In a lifetime, a person will speak enough words to fill nearly 5,000 books, 1 million pages, nearly a billion words. Now, let me ask you this. Now, it's also said, that same survey said women speak like three times more than men. I'm just, I, it said it, Proverbs 17, 27, the wise man uses his words sparingly, 
Proverbs 10, 29, the wise restrain their lips. I'm just connecting dots, folks. I'm just here to connect dots. Let you draw your own conclusions. You guys can argue about all that later. All right, so if if your book of your if if you have a book of your life, look, everything comes off your mouth. You can't take it back. What are you what are we gonna do? What would it look like if we actually started thumbing through the pages of that book in our life already that's been written? Would we want to read it? Would we be like, what are you saying? Better yet, would God if God was reading? What would he be saying to us? God, God was the chief editor. I'm going to edit your work. I'm going to, I'm going to look it over. We're going to see if it's ready for publishing. Wow, we have some problems here. In fact, we have a lot of problems. We might have to gut half of this thing. I mean, for real though, right? It's like when you think of it that way, holy cow, my words are so significant. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 12. Turn there if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 12, 36. I saw this a number of years ago, and I was like, that's got to be, I got to be misreading that. But I wasn't. Matthew chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. You'll remember verse 35. You'll know it by heart. Verse 36 might actually surprise you. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. That's where he talks about uh, a man's known by his fruit. But listen to this in verse 36. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Jesus said that. Jesus. Every word that comes out of your mouth at some point, judgment day, we get to go be with God in heaven. Praise God. Except Jesus, we're going to spend eternity with him. But there is something significant that ought to get your and my attention about the fact that God's going to judge every word that came off of our mouth. He's going to look at that book, and we're going to examine it, and it's going to mean something in eternity. So I don't know about you, but if that doesn't get your heart and your mind and everything about who you are thinking about what the words that are coming out of your mouth are, I don't know what will. Right? That scripture has always impacted me in such a big way. And we have, to, we have to be thoughtful. Proverbs chapter 15, it says that the heart of the righteous study how to answer. They consider deeply the words that they speak. The heart of the righteous. They're not frivolous. They, they understand that words are powerful. They're not trivial. They mean something. They have impact. And so they, they desire for the words that are being spoken to be words that are life-giving, that are creating and are advancing and furthering the things that God would have for us in our lives. Now, I would close with this. If you look at something, I believe that this will give you direction on how to really pursue this and walk this out. Go to John chapter 12. Because... You think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, but look, it's hard. Like, what do, you, how do you really, you know, like, what, what, how do I do this? You know, I want, I'm, I'm convinced. I need to really watch my words, but how? What's, what's the key? How do I walk this thing out? So Jesus says something in John chapter 12, and this is whenever he's 
close to departing from the earth. He says in verse 49 and 50, he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the, as the Father has told me, so I speak. So, guys, his words, now Jesus was perfect. So every word that he spoke was exactly the words that the Father would have him to say. Now, the Father has the words he intends for you and I to say as well because they have such bearing on the purposes that are happening and being fulfilled in our life. But look, he also says in John chapter 16, this gets me excited. I think this is going to give you such hope. Listen to this. He says in John chapter 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, this is the Holy Spirit that comes to live on the inside of you and I when we receive Christ. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Oh my God, the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you, the God part of you, desires to direct, to lead, to guide your speech, your words in a way that it's constantly advancing the things that God wants to have happen in your life. What do we need then? We need to seek Him. We need to yield to Him. We need to surrender to Him and, and to know that my words have such implication in my life, such great impact. I want nothing other than the things that come out of my mouth to be in alignment with the things that God would have me to say. And I have found that the more we know Him, guys, the more we seek Him. It's, it's delight in me, right? It's, it's, it's awesome, the relationship. And the more we know Him, the more our thoughts align with his thoughts and the more our words align with his words. It's just an overflow of a powerful, strong relationship with the Holy Spirit. <sighs> Edified speech. Go ahead and stand here for you. Edified speech. Do you know what edified or edified speech comes from? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Edified speech comes from edified souls. If you're strengthened in your spirit by your relationship with God, your speech will be strengthened as well. Your words, your thoughts, your actions will just continue to come more and more into alignment. And that's what I call walking out your destiny, walking in your purpose, 
that God created you uniquely for. In a perfect sense, which isn't that way, but in a perfect sense, our steps, our thoughts, our words, our actions are in sync like a rhythm of grace, perfect alignment with what God's will for our life is. We just got to seek Him. He does the powerful part. We just have to seek Him and know Him more intimately and deeper so that that powerful thing that He's calling us to continues to happen in our lives. You've heard me say that I believe that we are in a day and an age where the church has got to get her voice back. She's lost her voice in society. And we have to get, the church has to get her voice back. Who's who's the church? It's us. That voice has to be in alignment with what God's voice is. If that influence, if that voice is going to come back to her, if that influence of the church's voice is going to sweep across the land, if it's going to call thousands and millions of people to an awakening in Christ, then whatever is being spoken by her, the church, has to align with what God is wanting to say. And it comes right down to the words that are coming off of your and my lips every single day. Every page that we're writing, it comes down to that.